Welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield, and what an interesting week we had. We'll just kind of lump it up into that. Uh, markets that saw a lot of red on the screen, but end up on a Friday turning things around, especially on the livestock side with some nice green. Ended up with some mixed numbers, though, on the grain complex after a WASDE report, rain, and a lot of talk about what's going to happen, for example, with this winter wheat crop. We're going to take a look at that and a whole lot more of the market's action on this week's episode. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. Well, welcome back. As you can see, the guys from Tradeoffs are joining us today. PJ and John both uh, joining us to talk markets. And gentlemen, we had a WASD report uh, that came out on a Friday afternoon. And uh, PJ, kind of first of all, give me your in a nutshell thoughts on what those numbers had to say. Um, it's so bearish, it's bullish, Susan. No, mm -hmm. I mean, I think in a nutshell, you look at it and say, yeah, they increased uh, yield a little bit versus trade guess by about uh, three quarters of a bushel on the corn side of things. Uh, beans, they have penciled in at a 52. They're all big numbers, right? I mean, a 335 uh, million bushels on the corn side to carry out for this coming crop year. And uh, what 2.2 billion on the corn side don't exactly give you warm and fuzzies that corn and soybeans are going to rally a bunch. But I think I don't know this for a fact, but you right now, everything's perfect, right? We're getting rains. Uh, we've had good emergence. Things are really looking like we're going to get off to a great start. We are off to a great start. So you pencil on the high number. I guess the question is, what's weather going to do in the next 30 days to say, are we going to flip this boat at all? Uh, it's actually scary, though, if we're talking about it, uh, the December 2013 corn chart and the December 2023 corn chart really uh, are mimicking each other coming off similar type years, too. So something to keep an eye on. We did have opportunities that year post this report. I, you know, I really in my heart think we're going to have uh, opportunities, but my heart doesn't have much to say about it, Susan, because I thought 540 would hold, too. And here we are at 508. So, yeah. No kidding. So, John, you guys have kind of you have a group discussion that goes around after these reports and kind of what was your feel and, and your input and what you saw? Well, I was actually a little surprised that the market wasn't down a little bit more when you when I first looked at just the corn and bean numbers on the surface, you know, especially looking out to that 23, 24 carryout. You know, they had uh, corn at uh, 2.22 and um, and the uh, beans at you know, over 300. And but then. When you looked at uh, wheat, you know, wheat was, was a pretty bullish report because even after last year's drought with the high wheat prices, increased acres, they still reduced this year's production of wheat um, because of what's going on in the uh, the Western uh, United States with the with the drought in Kansas and, and those wheat growing areas out there. So that was supportive on the corn side. Now, it was supportive kind of the whole complex, you know, uh, corn, beans and wheat. But then as we finished up here today, you know, beans were off 25 on the new crop. Uh, down to 1223 uh, old crop was off 14 and then now corn uh, old crop was actually up three um, but new crop was down five so um, you know definitely a mixed bag here and I think uh, to mimic what PJ said as we go forward it's going to be you know what kind of weather do we get we've got a pretty decent start except for extreme northern midwest I guess you call that or northern plains um, where they're getting a little slower 
uh, planting than they'd like. But otherwise, pretty well everywhere else, even where I'm from in northeast Missouri, we were hurting for water. Um, but we've got some nice rains over the last few days. And I think it's going to, you know, so far so good. So there's a lot of people banking on this rain. I heard it called a couple times um, the million dollar rain or the million bushel rain. Um, and then I've also heard it say too little, too late. Um, especially when you look at I-70 South, um, yeah. Kansas into Oklahoma. Yeah, that I would say that that's probably, for the wheat especially, I mean, there's no doubt about that, that I-70 South, uh, in, again, on, in the western United States. Now, our wheat crop over here on the eastern side, you know, the Chicago wheat, things are looking good, and you see that in the spread. You know, you got Kansas City wheat, $2.50 roughly higher than the Chicago wheat. Um, you know, we're, we should have a decent crop if we do. You know, there are two different types of wheat used in different products, but we could see some of this wheat over in our area in the east moving west if they can blend it off into a very high protein uh, hard wheat crop, you know, whatever is there available. So, um, it, you know, again, looks like price supportive on wheat, but uh, the other commodities uh, looks like we're going to have to, we, we're going to need some sort of growing season issue, I think, to get a whole hell of a lot of support there. PJ, from a Western Corn Belt stance, I mean, the rain definitely helped uh, the northern areas of, of Kansas and to Colorado and Nebraska. But we know that those growers to the south are maybe going into plan B with this crop. Most definitely, like uh, talking to some of our clients and say Oklahoma, Texas area, uh, wheat crops not good. You know, if they do have something there, they're planning for abandoning that, going to something else. I guess to John's point, uh, how much of the Chicago variety can fill the void of the hard red uh, Kansas city variety and how much can get imported. You know, I, there's some different thoughts there probably. I know there's some dryness kind of in, in Canada. And then also you flip over to say like central Russia, some dryness. I think the Brazilian crop to my understanding, the second Safrina crop looks pretty good, but on average, you start talking about these reports and the big numbers would seem like they usually come first before any weather or scare happens. And then maybe we reduce it. And then it actually becomes a what do we have come September uh, type time frame. But if you look back the last few years, we've always been cutting into carry-ons. We've gone through the growing season and then our ending stocks number in August has came in uh, lower and all of a sudden we have less bushels on hand. It doesn't seem like that would be the case today. And, and if you're following the export markets, it would tell you that we have lagged on exports and continually do it. And I don't think that's a, something that changes overnight by any means. So it's a, a growing concern. Um, the rains in the Western Corn Belt sure help, though. I think that's probably more of a, we're going to, sitting here today, we got to believe we're going to have a good crop because that's what USDA told us. And that's what you got to project. So you got to say we're going to have a good crop. The Probably the bad part, I guess, in the Western Corn Belt, if you want to say this is bad, it's not bad. But with the rains we've got, you're going to have more crop grown here. So you, you might want to take advantage if you can see a 10 to 20 over basis level in these ethanol plants for harvest time. I'm usually not one to say go lock in basis now. Um, but if you look at historical averages, say 10 to 20 over is a, a home run. So it's something to look at, something to keep your eyes on. Yes, the futures price sucks, but there's always opportunities. So you got to keep your mind open to the opportunities and uh, decouple those futures and basis decisions. So we look at our neighbors to the north and, and earlier, just even two weeks ago, the word prevent plant was really being floated around a lot. Um, even though we're not seeing a lot of corn planting and beans right now, what are you hearing? Is there still a good possibility? Um, you get to that northern, like uh, Tyler in our office has some guys say north central South Dakota, uh, right on the North Dakota border. 
and they're not concerned about it at all. I mean, it's okay. rain, but I think you're looking at some very large equipment and they can knock out acres fast. They're prevent plant days two weeks away. They're going to plant corn. And if they have to take prevent plant, great, but they're going to go after it. So uh, I guess sitting here on May 12th, we're not concerned, but talk to me on May 21st if we get another two, three inches of rain over the next two weeks too. All right, John, I'm curious, because we were talking about this before we started the program and you were talking about next year's um, export concerns. Uh, yeah, actually, um, I saw the, uh, the Stonex analyst actually, you know, he said his, the numbers that he's seeing, you know, we're looking at the, the USDA had, uh, I don't know the exact export number, but with the carryout they were projecting was 2.2, you know, uh, Arlen was saying somewhere in the range, he thought that was their exports were overstated, possibly two to 300 million bushels. So all of a sudden you throw two to 300 on top of 2.2 billion. Now we're up to 2.4, 2.5 billion. And, you know, I don't want to sit here and predict what price is going to do, you know, tomorrow, let alone 18 months from now. But we all know that at 2.5 billion and above, we are getting into corn with a three in front of it again. And to touch on what Phil said earlier, you know, we're looking at this 23 uh, chart is looking very similar to the 13 chart where we were at 560 roughly for the spring price and worked our way all the way down to the low fours uh, by the time we got to harvest. So we just need to be aware that even if we don't like the price, nobody cares, you know, whether we like it or not. Um, obviously you mentioned, you know, uh, feed yards, uh, probably wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of relief on these corn prices, but, uh, uh, either way, just keep your mind open to using, you know, s some other options or something to hedge yourself and leave your upside open. Uh, because this, you know, the markets can go down, you know, for two and a half years, we've, they've only gone up, but you know, this, it is what it is. Yeah. What do you see as uh, maybe your go-to watch over the next, you know, week or so from a grain perspective that folks need to keep in mind? Oh, I, it's going to be probably weather driven and geopolitical, which keeping an eye on geopolitical, I just, I just turn the news off because I, you know, I mean, I'll find out, you know, within a few minutes what the market's doing, you know, if something's going on in the, with the, the, uh, the trade corridor and things like that. So. Okay. Uh, PJ wanted to switch gears a little bit and look at the livestock side of the trade and saw some softer Southern cash earlier in the week. Some say that kind of set the tone for this cattle market this week. You know, it probably did, but uh, you look at just general momentum in the market flipped over here probably in the last three, four trading days. And we're trying to touch or, or battle back towards some of those contract highs and where we go from here is anybody's guess, but it does seem uh <clears throat> From talking to some of our western Nebraska ranchers, they're sure thrilled to have the rain and not have to liquidate uh, some herd this year. Maybe we'll get enough grass to make that all happen. Um, the cattle market's been, at least it's not the hog market. The hog market's sure been uh, trouble to get any traction, but the cattle's kind of been on the other side where we've stayed in flare, or stayed at a higher level and had a good support there to keep things moving forward. So. Yeah, it's all a good win right now. And especially if you're a cattle guy and don't have uh, all your feed use locked in, this should be a, a dream scenario. But the problem is most of those guys have corn too. So it's not a win-win. Definitely going to be some interesting times. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, any parting thoughts from anybody? Um, have a plan and stick to it. Have a plan and don't get too far off in the weeds and, and you know, get upset with the market because it doesn't necessarily, you know, go to your plan. Just have the plan, but then also have a contingency to protect the downside, um, you know, but leave, uh, leave plenty of flexibility in it. 
All right. Well, we wish all the moms out there watching a very happy Mother's Day. And also remind you that commodity futures options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.